Hey, everybody. Wendy Sellers here, the HR lady. We are here today to talk about HR tips for small businesses. But quite honestly, these tips are for any size business whatsoever. whatsoever. So if you have five employees or 5,000 employees, these are for you. But if you are a small business and you're just joining in for one of the first times, I uh, plan on giving you a lot of information and then access to a lot of my uh, white papers and guides that you could find on my website. So with that said, JC, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm a little bothered right now. Why do they call it a white paper? So interesting. I actually looked that up um, because I asked the same question. And according to Stanford Law School, a white paper is an authoritative report or guide that often addresses issues and how to solve them. The term white paper originated when government papers were coded by color to indicate distribu- distribution and white was designated for public access. Ah. Interesting. Little side tip here. That is not what this conversation is about no. today. So let's move on. <laughs> hey, I do have something interesting back for you, though. In the United States, sure. there are 33.2 million small businesses, accounting for 99.9% of all firms. And small enterprises are responsible for just under two-thirds, 63% of all new jobs produced between 1995 and 2021, believe it or not. Small businesses account for 39.4% of private sector payroll. And small businesses also account for 32.6% of total known export value. Small business ain't so small at the end of the day, Wendy. No, it certainly isn't. That is huge. And it's interesting uh, to me that I don't know, I don't think Americans realize until you pull out the stats that most businesses that we shop at on a regular basis are actually small businesses. You know, they're not all these conglomerates, the conglomerates, the grocery stores, the big box stores, you know, they're, they have more marketing money and they're, you're able to see them more. And unfortunately they have replaced a lot of small businesses, but the majority of businesses in the United States are small businesses. They're not going to have an HR manager. They're barely going to have a, an owner who realizes that there's employment laws you're supposed to follow. And I don't mean that as a knock. Um, people get into a business because they're passionate about making a wine glass or whatever it might be. And then they start hiring people and like, oh, wait, there's laws that we're supposed to follow. Oh, yeah. See, <laughs> and when when you switch over to something like accounting, for instance, I'm going to call out a very specific company that I'm familiar with. This is not an advertisement for them, but Gun Chamberlain in Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Florida. They're an accounting company with 50 or fewer employees. That's technically a small business, but they are big money at the end of the day. Yeah, it's not about it's not about the bottom line. Um, well, and it might be. Uh, do you do you consider big business by how much money they make or in HR land? It's usually headcount because laws, employment laws are based on headcount. So I want to give you some some tips here moving forward. And then again, you could always go to my website, thehrlady.com. I have free white papers on my download page, right on the on the home page. I have a giant section um, that says free employment, employee retention and management resources. And it's an entire Google Drive of 
all these kinds of flyers and information and forms that you can use. And then, of course, I have the HR Lady store as well, where you can buy things like a draft handbook that has been vetted by an employment attorney in the state of Florida. And I have noted all through that handbook, you know, where you can, things that you need to look at if you're not in this state and where you could find more information. But the number one thing that I, I think any business should have, whether you have one employee, okay, maybe not one employee, two employees or two million employees is an employee handbook. We don't usually think about it though, because we're like, ah, there's only a few of us. We all know each other's rules. You know, when you wish you had one is when you get a court case. When you need one. Um, when you, yeah. yeah, when you need one. Well, the first thing a lawyer says, what does it say in the handbook? And when you say, I don't have a handbook, then you go, okay, what has been the past practice? Um, I don't know. It's been inconsistent across our board, all across the board because we don't have a policy to follow. <laughs> so please, 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 please make sure that you, um, know that you should have a handbook. It doesn't have to be 90 pages. It could be 10 pages. It could be four pages. Mine, I think is like 20 pages and a lot of it could be deleted because it's not going to be affected, uh, affecting many smaller companies. So employee handbook, super important. Uh, lawyers want you to make sure it's everyday language, that it's not super complicated unless you happen to have a bunch of lawyers that work for you, but make sure that it's easy. If it's not easy to read and understand and it's not complicated where one policy refers to another and the other one says the opposite, a court is going to throw out the handbook and almost always side with an employee. I hate that I have to say like, oh, you're going to go to court. Oh, you're going to get sued. But let's face it. Sometimes it's the only way people will listen is to get them to avoid going to court. You know, what's worse than going to court ending up on the front page of Google Ooh. or the front page of your local newspaper or having to go to court, and not showing up. That's not good. Don't do <laughs> That's that. not good either. Yeah. yeah. Ignoring the government. Not not um, does not go over. Not a well. good idea. The next thing that I would say that the um equivalent to a handbook in when everybody calls me and they say hey i need help and i'm like i ask for their handbook and i ask for job descriptions if you don't have either one of them we're going to create them together uh creating job descriptions is vital we used to think job descriptions were once a year thing you only use or once a lifetime thing you use it during their high their interviewing period and that's it no Job descriptions should be used <laughs> from interviews all the way to retirement. You know, if you don't have a fancy review form, I don't care. What I want you to have is a job description. And then every time you have an accountability conversation, including an interview with a human, um, you should be going line by line on that job description. Okay, we have 20 items that are in your job description. Um, you're interviewing for it. Let me ask you 20 questions related to the 20 essential duties. Let me ask you five questions related to the knowledge, skills, and abilities that are listed in this job description. Let me ask you, you know, four more questions related to the expected behavior that are listed in your job descriptions, which I call company values. And we'll come back to that in a minute. No, it's huge. Um, it's huge, Wendy. A job description is going to provide that clear and comprehensive guidebook for an employee to utilize as a source of truth for their job performance. And similarly, a manager can utilize that job description to then develop performance indicators to, to determine whether or not an employee is meeting the work objectives. And that is actually quite important for a small business. It's going to allow you to keep your eye on wage equity and create a internal job hierarchy even and ensure that your compensation procedures are fair and equal 
And that's also going to help you keep pace with the industry and maybe not lose someone and have to spend three times their salary to hire someone new again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You mentioned hiring as well. Job descriptions, you know, you should, before you put that job ad out, (laughs) you should figure out what interview questions are we going to be asking of the candidates and in what phase. So get together a committee. That's my advice is get together a committee. Even if it's your entire company because you only have four employees, there's the hiring committee. Okay, four employees. Here's the job description of the of the new hire, the brand new position that we're we're uh, looking for. Are we missing anything? What other knowledge, skills, and abilities are required? What can we train on internally? What are we going to have to send them to a class externally? And then create interview questions before you place that job ad. Because then anybody on your hiring team, even if it's only a, you know four or five people in the entire company, could jump in and start the interview process. Versus, oh, well, Wendy's the only one that's responsible for interviewing, and and I forgot she's on vacation. So now we got to tell the candidate they have to wait <laughs> another week, and then the candidate goes, "Forget you, I'm out of here." So you you brought up the questions for the interview. I have to share this one. I do highly recommend using this in your interview process. This is just me. You always got to save at least one creative question. In my personal opinion, now you may disagree, but work with me here, Wendy. My question is, why are manholes round? Your answer then as the candidate would be? That is irrelevant to this job interview. (laughs) Jobs for highway and traffic safety. No, it's okay. No, it's a good question. It, it, It like sparks creativity in some ways. But, you know, if someone actually knows uh, that round shapes don't fall into a hole because they're rotated the wrong way. You know, they say something like that. That They're kind of on point. I don't know. Walking encyclopedias, depending on what the job is. I, goofy. Folks, it's please goofy. ignore him. <laughs> I like the goofy questions, though. Yeah, I like those in the so interview. So let's talk about that a little bit, actually, JC. A lot of companies do uh, throw in some strange questions because they want to get the, um, they want to get, um, you know, like the, an idea of what the person's personality is. I advise you to actually do legit scientific personality assessments. Um, I personally like to use the DISC personality style model, which is a derivative of Myers-Briggs. But it is important to know that if you're only hiring somebody because of that manhole question or the personality style, you're probably going to get yourself in some kind of um, trouble because it ha- it's not relevant necessarily to the job at so hand. So to your um, point then, uh, something like how would you prefer to handle pace and consistency in this job? Yeah, that would be a much more relevant question or do the official assessment because you and I might be great interviewers, but we're not scientifically trained at X, Y, Z over here. So folks, you know, don't let it scare you. Don't let this conversation scare you. You're here to learn and just make sure that you know that there are questions that you can ask and questions that you cannot ask. So make sure you vet that all out. I have that information on my website as well. The questions specifically by federal law that you cannot ask, like what's your age or gender or gender orientation or religious beliefs. And you mentioned DISC. What what if I don't know what you're talking about? Do I call you? Like, I'll Google that at the end of this, but like, you you can absolutely Google it. So DISC is a derivative of Myers-Briggs. There's, listen, folks, there are a ton of personality style assessments or uh, trait assessments out there. You know, don't, don't go with what I'm just saying. I personally just like the DISC model. It's dominant, influential, uh, stable, and 
conscientious and it just breaks down um, a lot of personality styles into four main groups and then there's actually three subgroups so there's 12 total again don't let this overwhelm you just know like if you're going well i'm fast paced so i want somebody on my team that's fast paced that's not necessarily what you need. It's just what you want. Oh, so. good point. Good point. <laughs> you know, th- this this conversation really brings up a, a, a key thought in my personal mindset here, Wendy, and that is I could come up with questions. I know what I want to do for my business. But employing someone or contracting with an HR person that is familiar with this, this is a totally different level of, of questioning and thought process. There's, there's a lot it of really care is. that goes into this. So what I would do if you're sitting here listening, going, you know what? I do want to do that. I want to pre-plan out our interview questions so anybody could jump in. And then also so that we're consistent. So if I'm interviewing four candidates and, and JC's over here and are interviewing three other candidates that we're asking the same questions. So that's why it's important to have that job description, have the interview questions. Guess what else? You can use all of those, um, that job description and the interview questions for actual feedback. Once you hire the employee, you can change the questions a little bit to say okay now we're going to talk to you about accountability we're going to communicate with you a new hire or employee who's been there for seven years what's going well what's not going well and we're going to be consistent when we talk to anybody who's in this job role this sounds like there might be a decent level of training that could be required for some of the managers within my organization or or people that are underneath the purview so with that being said if if the small business doesn't have the funds to properly train, is is there money available out? Is there any resource available out there to help with training? Oh, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. A lot of states in the U.S. have training grants. Um, so they're usually through like the workforce development board, either federal, state, local. Um, I'm in the state of Florida. Uh, the workforce development boards across the state of Florida are called career source. Um, so just Google workforce development board, New York workforce development board, you know, Ohio, whatever it is. And then you may have to dig deep because it's not always obvious, but almost every single state has some kind of training grant that employers or employees can apply to to get training. The training might be provided by like a consultant like myself, or it may be provided by the actual uh, workforce development center of the state. So that's the unfortunate thing, JC, is no state is consistent. Everybody is different across the across the country. But there are training grants available out there. Some are just for specific industries where others are for maybe underprivileged people. But what you also want to do is contact that workforce development board and ask them, hey, what do you have going on that I as the employer can get involved in the community um, where I can hire people that, um, you know, we have a shortage of skills. We're going to have to train anybody who shows up anyway. So how about I start training people that um, are underserved and your company might actually get a, um, a tax benefit to that as well? It is important to note businesses in their third year of operation, small businesses, they could expect a 60.3% survival rate and a 39.7% failure rate in business. In businesses in their fourth year, we're talking 54.3% survival, whereas 45.7% fail. Taking some of these tips into account is quite critical, especially in the small business sector. Wendy Sellers, back to you. 
It really is. Thank you for that. Other things that I wanted to tell you, just some, uh, you know, basic HR tips for small businesses is, you know, the job descriptions, training your managers on hiring, training your manager, not even just your managers, anybody that's involved in the hiring process, training them on hiring, uh, making sure that you're creating smart goals. By the way, if you haven't used ChatGPT or Google Bard yet, use that and it will help you develop smart goals. It blew my mind and I don't think I'll ever develop smart goals any other way because they're hard. <laughs> they're hard. And I'm like, wait, this, this or this, uh, free website can do it in, in 30 seconds for me where it would have took me four hours. So smart goals is super important scheduling feedback sessions, not once a year, not twice a year, all the time. And I know many of you are going, Ugh, I don't want to do it, Wendy. Well, if you don't want to do it, if you don't want to give your employees feedback all the time, expect there to be one of two things, if not both. One, turnover, and then two, just you know, disengaged employees who are more than happy to take your paycheck, but aren't going above and beyond. Um, I mentioned briefly a little bit before about company values. If you've never heard me be before, I'm a huge, huge advocate of having company values. They're usually um, words like respect and professionalism and accountability and communication. And they might be full on sentences or paragraphs. I don't really care what the values look like per se, but you really should be having them as part of your company culture, which means you'd be talking about them in interviews. You'd be talking them in feedback conversations. You'd be talking about them when you're holding people accountable and maybe having to put them on an improvement plan. Don't let the best performers be allowed to be jerks in the workplace, okay? They they need to be held accountable for their behavior and you need to train people what that means because respect in one organization might mean something different in another organization. So don't just think these things are common sense. Oh, it's common sense what professionalism means. No, no, no. It's different in our unique environment and we must train for that and spell it out to everybody um, from the new hires to the managers who have been there for a very very long time it's important to remember this doesn't apply to just white collar jobs this also applies to blue collar jobs set your goals be realistic think about your short and long-term goals you know what kind of assignments or projects are going to help your employees grow offer that leadership and management training that wendy's been talking about and uh you know journal the job performance uh, write down how people have been doing and talk with them about that periodically and make sure that you recognize employees who exceed expectations it applies to all sectors of work. Doesn't matter what you're doing and or uh, where you might be working. Absolutely. Thanks for that. I have two more things I wanted to add about just for small t- uh, tips for small businesses is one, you know, make sure you're really, really, really diving into pay and rewards. Uh, paying minimum wage isn't going to get you anywhere. Um, you know, if of course, some we all got to start somewhere. But if you're always only going to be paying minimum wage, then that's the kind of worker you're going to get. Workers that know that currently don't have the knowledge and skills and abilities. That's why they're at that amount. So if you're not willing to pay the market, you know, you might want to consider, I don't know, merging with another company that can then help you financially. Um, and compensation is not just about the 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 check that we take home every week or every other week. It's also about benefits, um, meaning health insurance. It's about, you know, HSA, FSA. It's about um, having uh, vacation time, sick time, even when it's not required by law. But it's also about the rewards, too. And I don't mean just like having a pizza party, although we would appreciate that since it's so expensive to even buy pizza anymore. But, you know, really the rewards of saying, hey, 
we're going to, um, we're going to reward you for being an amazing employee. And we're going to, what we're going to do is send you to this conference so that you can get more skills and stay with us longer and continue to build your own skills up. If that is what the employee desires, if the employee does not want to go to the next level, please don't force them to go to a conference and take a job. I had um, somebody, <laughs> it was just yesterday. I had somebody tell me, um, I don't even remember who the heck it was. I talked to so many people in the day, but I had somebody tell me yesterday that they got promoted at their job. No, it was Sunday. I know what it was. I was at a brunch. Uh, somebody told me that, Hey, we got, pro- I got promoted to supervisor or manager and they never even asked me and I didn't want it. And I felt like I had to take it. Oh. Well, needless to say, she's thinking about leaving because she's like, I'm not prepared for this. I didn't want it. You didn't give me any training and this money is totally not worth it. So make sure you do talk to your employees about getting to the next level, see what they want. Um, and that may be a reward to send them to a, a training to get, um, more, you know, education on how to be a manager. And then finally, the the last professional, thing that I did want professional development it comes in all yeah, shapes and reward. colors yeah yep training and development is huge um we can have a whole other conversation about that but the final tip that I want to give you and it's not a fun tip but you know there's going to be a time that you have to make a tough decision and you have to terminate somebody and don't you know don't don't take this lightly for sure. You know, it's definitely not something you should be taking lightly. Make sure you've thought it through. Am I part of the problem? Is my management team part of the problem? Um, making sure you've done everything possible, but let's face it. Sometimes it's just not fixable. Um, you hired the wrong person. And if you hire the wrong person, you can't ever fix that really, unless you put them in a different role that they're actually, um, eligible to go into. But once you realize that this is the wrong person because of their performance behavior or combination, if you keep them around, other employees really get hurt and other employees start getting, um, unengaged and saying, you know what? Well, why should I go the extra mile? This person's not and they're still keeping him or her totally. or them. So, you know, we need to make a decision. And then when you do make that decision, be respectful to everyone involved, including the person who's leaving. And then when you have to make the announcement the next day that, you know, um, Sarah is no longer here, it is not up for discussion what led up to this to the conversation or the decision. Because if you're respectful to, le- to the person who's leaving, the people that are still there are going to say, thank you. Thank you, because I didn't want you talking about me if something goes wrong. That's right. With that said, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Wendy Sellers, the HR lady. Oh.